Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady. And Martin Paloma. Welcome to another edition of Mind on My Money, presented by Pinnacle. I'm Neil McCready, Martin Paloma with me here today as well. We're going to get to uh, a handful of topics here, and what will probably be a little shorter show. It's Grove Bowl weekend here in Oxford coming up, and I'm, to be totally frank, cramming about seven shows into a half day. And so I'm on a tight schedule. Martin, kind enough to move up his schedule a little bit. And then we wasted 10 minutes talking about fasting. Um, so, um, but hey, you know what? It's okay. It's all good. We're, uh, we're men. We're men. Yeah, we, that's what we do. So uh, we, we, we had a conversation. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about those things in a minute. Um, just first, Clark Ford, 662-257-1900. You guys, if you've listened to MPW Digital, you know the spiel by now. It's not a spiel, though. It really works. It's a great place to buy a car or get a quote on a vehicle. Corey wants to be your truck guy. He wants to be your car guy. He'll prove it to you when you make the call. And Martin, um, tell the people about Pinnacle a little bit before we get rolling. Yeah, um, man, short short end of it. Um, I own it now, which is really awesome. It kind of feels a little bit of uh, like an accomplishment. Probably what Stacy felt like when he owned it 25 years ago. Uh, but now I'm carrying the baton, and I uh, got a great team with me. Uh, it's kind of funny, man. A lot of a lot of people have been real nervous at the beginning of this year about markets. We have been very consistent with what we tell our clients, which is turn the news off. And lo and behold, markets turning, and uh, for the positive, we'll talk about it later in the show too. But um, you know, our biggest piece is the planning, man. It's when you when you have a plan that you can stick to, you don't have to worry about what happens day to day in the market. So if that's if you don't know what you're doing or don't know where you're going, give us a call 601-957-0323 or info at mypinnwealth.com. We're going to open with this. We're not going to stay on this super long. I told Martin, I find this story to be a glimpse into America today. And and um, it's this mask thing. And I can almost hear people going, oh, God, oh, God. No, <laughs> no, calm down. Yeah. Um, you know how I feel about mask, but I'm, I'm cool with anybody who wants to wear a mask, doesn't want to wear a mask, but the mask have been in the news this week because a federal judge earlier this week, uh, ruled in Florida that, uh, the mask mandate for public transportation was not, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, lawful. Uh, the CDC overstepped their, yeah, the CDC had overstepped their bounds and was unable to provide a compelling argument for maintaining a, uh, a mask mandate for public transportation, one that the airlines want gone. Uh, and then you saw the, uh, you saw the reactions. It was all over the place. There was a Twitter, Twitter went wild for two days um, with a lot of people celebrating being able to fly without a mask mandate. Yep. And it is my opinion, Martin, that that, and you can tell me I'm wrong because I'm curious, it is my opinion that that reaction led to the CDC uh, asking the Justice Department to appeal that federal judge's ruling, um, saying that such an order remains necessary for public health. That appeal was filed yesterday, but it's my understanding 
that appeal was filed without requesting a stay, an emergency stay, meaning that they're not even asking the court to, hey, in the meantime, while we figure out whether this judge's ruling was was proper or not, we're asking you to put the mandate back in place. And by doing that, to me, it told me that, hey, we're waving the white flag here, but our feelings are hurt. And we're pissed off. And then Jen Psaki, who's leaving, the White House spokesperson, um, she's leaving for a gig at MSNBC here fairly soon, which is fine. I have I, I don't begrudge her that. Uh, her predecessor, one of her predecessors uh, in the Trump administration left for a gig at Fox News. That's just where we are with political commentary in our country today. Sure. Um, so she's going to MSNBC. They're batting cage. Yes. Or to their dugout. Yes, to, I think that's the right their sideline. Yeah. Um. And and Jen Psaki said, you know, this is about. Let me see if I can find the exact quote from her because I don't want to misquote. While what, you're looking for it, I will tell you. I, I had dropped Christopher off at the airport yesterday. Uh, his class is in Austin, Texas. Um, his entrepreneurship class and club is there for. Uh, they're going to visit some incubators and uh, go to the Macomb School at University of Texas in Austin. And I just texted him while you were talking and I said, Hey dude, did you wear a mask on the plane yesterday? And he said, hell no, exclamation point. It was awesome. <laughs> and, and I think that sentiment, hell no, it was awesome. I think is, is the overwhelming reaction from the majority of the people. And, yeah. and it gets me to my point. I can't find her quote in this wall street journal story. She essentially said, look, we're, we think that people should wear masks. We think masks are protective and blah, blah, blah. And and then she said, but we want to make sure that we preserve the CDCs. And she used the word power in future cases. And I thought, hmm. okay, well, now, now we're, we're, the cat's we're, out of the bag. The cat's out of the bag. We're talking truth here. Yep. Um, and, and what's, you know, in truth be told, too, is the last couple times I've flown and I've had to wear, you know, the mask. Uh, usually when I fly like the next couple of days, like I'm, my sinuses are really dried out. I'm, you know, crusty, bloody, all that nasty stuff. And, um, you know, it's probably cause I'm breathing in my, you know, moisture, humidified breath in my nose and the mask, but I haven't had the, I haven't had those issues the last couple of times I've flown. I wonder if I can somehow mimic that without wearing a mask. If there's something I can put in my nose to not get dried out like that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe someone's listening and they'll they'll th- throw you a, a they'll ping us right. But yeah, like, hey, dude, you know. here's a trick. Um, but anyway, I I think what's interesting about it is that I thought when that happened on Tuesday, I thought, boy, the Democrats just were handed a gift. I thought they were handed an off ramp because, you know, the decision if they make the decision themselves to hey, okay, we're we're dropping the mandate. And and they had only asked for a two week extension, which told me fairly recently that hey, they they know it's time to get rid of this, that this is not this is not a good play call in political football here. Um, you know, this is probably a play we need to get out of. You need to audible out of this. And they were trying to figure out a way to do it without alienating their base. Because the base, and we've seen this on Twitter, the base and on social media and on TV the base loves the mask. It is, it is, it is a thing for them. It is, it is part of, it's part of, I don't know how to describe it. I'm trying not to be critical. It just, it, it means something to them and, and they were not going to be happy with the Biden administration. If the Biden administration 
voluntarily dropped the mandates. They were going to say, no, we're not out of this yet. We're still in a pandemic. It's not safe, and I can't believe you did this to me. By a Trump-appointed Florida, because Florida is a bad word right now to the left, Trump-appointed Florida judge doing it. It gave them an off-ramp to go, hey, we were trying to keep you safe. We wanted to keep masks on, but look, I mean, we we have a system of checks and balances, and this this judge in Florida who's not even board approved, you know, she did it. And so if it gets bad, we're going to blame them. And if it gets bad, we're going to push to get them back. But, hey, you know, what, what do we do? And instead, by appealing this, I think it negates that victory. And I don't think that the mask mandate is going to be put back into uh, in, into order. I don't. I'll be surprised. I was basing that on um, – Mark Garagos on Reasonable Doubt. Mark Garagos and Adam Carolla do a a legal show. Mark Garagos is a world-renowned defense attorney. And he said based on the way that that appeal was filed, essentially, that – I'm sorry, the way that the case was heard and the the arguments that were made that he did not anticipate um, a spirited appeal. He thought, nah, they might appeal it for for, uh, appearances but that it wasn't going to be much of a fight. So that was, that's my source on that. But um, Yeah, and I did see a lot of, there were, you know, a lot of uh, the comments that I was reading that were the naysayers about, uh, you know, the mask, the federal judge striking it down, saying that she was unqualified to make a decision. And I was kind of scratching my head going, okay, wait, she was appointed to a federal bench, but she's, unqualified okay that makes yeah no sense to me that that felt like a that was not a good argument that was not that was they and then there's an there's an ap poll out there about that says 54 percent of americans want mandated masking in public transportation and i don't trust those numbers those numbers don't jive with with my experience and what I hear, and I haven't flown since 2019, but both of my brothers fly, and I talk to them, and I talk to other people who fly, and that's not the impression that I get from talking to people. But Yeah, I mean, I look, man, I don't care. If, if, if someone on a flight is sitting next to me and they have a mask on, great. Cool. Good for them. Yeah. I don't care. I, I want them to have the freedom of choice to, to be able to make that decision. And, you know, like, Jen, in 2019, no, I'm sorry, it was 2020. It was January of 2020. Or no, February of 2020. We were at Disney um, for our, we kind of go in February. And uh, she was real sick. And, but she tested positive for flu type A. Had all the symptoms of of flu. And, um, you know, when we had to travel back home, they did put a mask on her to travel back home. And they, they said, you know, you got to wear this for the duration of your flight because you're sick. <clears throat> and, um you know, she did. She sat right next, Gia and I sat right next to her. We didn't get sick. Uh, I'm not saying that the mask was, was the whole reason, but you know, and no one made a big deal about it. And this was before all the mask stuff started. And I'm just kind of like, man, if you have to, like, if you're away somewhere and you got to get home and you're not feeling well and you got to wear a mask on a plane, do it. I don't care. Oh, sure. I mean, that's part of the response of, you're not taking my mask off. It's like, well, nobody's telling you to take your mask off. I mean, that's that's no, it's not even there. I mean, I would I would fight that hard. 
just as an yeah, American. Gonna, I mean, you have I'm the right. Judge you because you wear a mask. I'm gonna be like, all right. That's, yeah, it's I like care. I just don't care. I don't. I guess know, that's the other thing. It's like I don't waste my day judging whether you know judging someone by yeah. whether or not they wear masks. No, because I at really all. don't care. You know what's funny? And, and the other thing that I don't like is you see these videos of guys getting are you know getting kicked off a plane because they have a Let's Go Brandon shirt on or they're asked to take the shirt off or whatever. To me, and I'll be honest with you, if you get on a plane with a, a Let's Go Brandon shirt, I am going to think you're an idiot. <laughs> Frankly, I'm going to think you're an asshole. That's what I'm going to think of you. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be like, you are just here to provoke. In, in the same yeah. way that if you get on there with some Trump sucks shirt or something, I'm going to be like, oh, you're just being an asshole. You're trying to provoke. But, but I would absolutely defend your right to wear that shirt. Now, I don't want to be your friend. I don't want to talk to you. You're sending me a message that I don't like you. I, I, you're, there's nothing about you that makes me want to spend an hour here finding out something about you. I'm never going to meet you again, and it's cool. But I, I, would, I would want them to be able to wear that shirt. And in, in the same way that if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. When you want to wear two masks, wear two masks. Seriously, if it makes you feel better, go for it. But I don't want to wear one, and I don't want to be mandated to wear one. And so I, I don't like them. They make me kind of claustrophobic. And then I think if I'm just being honest, as the, as the science has come in on them, I realize that they're just political theater and I don't want to participate. So it's as simple as that. Anyway, all right, I'm going to get your thoughts on something else. We didn't even mention this, but I want to tell me what this means. Okay, I'll do my best. I'm reading a tweet, speaking of Twitter. Uh, just in, Elon Musk has secured a $46.5 billion financing commitment to acquire Twitter, Inc. and is considering starting a tender offer for its outstanding shares of filing with U.S. regulators shows. I don't. I know he's been making tender jokes with kind of Elvis and stuff. What does that mean? If he says, I'm, I'm, he says he's, it's considering starting a tender offer for its outstanding shares. For people like me who don't really understand the lingo, what does that mean? Yeah, it, I mean it's it's a it's pretty simple. It, <clears throat> I guess maybe it sounds more complex, but it just means that um, that you're publicly making a bid, or a third party is making a bid to buy, you know, a company. Uh, it's there's no, that's all it is is that you're that you're officially publicly making a bid to buy, and it's usually you see that term in um, publicly traded companies. So you know, like I made a tender offer to buy Pinnacle. Because okay. I had the money uh, or the financing lined up to be able to make a bona fide offer, which, you know, the board didn't have to accept, but they did because they thought it was a good offer. And we gave notice to the shareholders, you know, and, and that was that was a tender offer. Okay. Um, but I had but I had the financing lined up. It wasn't a like a, hey, I want to buy your company. And it just uh, it's, it was a it was a legit, serious, real real offer that that's all that means okay well that's something that as we go on maybe even next week we can dive into it a little bit i i i think the whole um the musk twitter social media um censorship stuff is is so fascinating on so many fronts as we uh get closer to the summer and then the midterm elections and 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 things and there's just so much stuff out there so i'm i've been fascinated by musk like Wondering at times, is he serious? Does he really want to buy it? Or is this about getting some headlines and, and, and getting a point across? And it appears that he's serious. All right. Uh, speaking yeah, of, and I, go ahead. You know, and you and I talked about it maybe last week or week before last. I can't remember. 
And uh, you made a comment that I had really not considered. And as this thing has unfolded, it, I think you were spot on, man. Because um, we were kind of talking about what, what's the driving force behind, you know, Musk's offer. And I, I really don't think it's economic, um, even though he could play it that way. I, I think you're right. I think it was a very political. It's a very political move. In my opinion. Yeah, I do, too. Um I do too. So I've given you, giving you props yeah, on thanks. radio. Yeah, well, or on podcast. On podcast. I, listen, I, I get a lot of heat from people, and I, and I understand it. And, I, and people say stick to sports and all that. I don't. I don't want to stick to sports. I don't. I, that, that's not fair to me, frankly. Um, you know, but I, I think I've gotten a lot of this right. Honestly, um, I've gotten a lot of it wrong, but I've gotten a lot of it right. I said all along I thought the mask was becoming a political cudgel, and I think it has. Um. You know, there's just a lot of look. I, I think the CDC has been compromised. I do, and and so you know that's the reason I I started. There were just there was moments, and I could we could we, I want to get to other things, but there have been moments in this when I said that guy's not worth listening to anymore, and it's like talking about Fauci and others because the things they said didn't make sense. At the beginning, I listened to every word that Anthony Fauci said, and then I, when I realized that Anthony Fauci was compromised politically and perhaps economically, I stopped. And, but I'm in the minority on this from people that lean to the right. I put a lot of blame on Donald Trump on the coronavirus thing, the response, the shutdown, the, all of that. I, th- I thought he folded in a way that, um, wasn't necessary. I not mean, very, very Trump-like. Yeah. Well, not, not particularly, you know, um, I don't think Trump's as much of a conservative as he is a populist and, um, I mean, I'm in the vast majority of minority of people. There are a lot of people that are huge. They want to see Trump run again, and they think the election was stolen and all that stuff. Whatever. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. I don't want another. No, I don't. I don't want that. I race. don't want another four years of no, of, no. of Trump. When I mean, I, when, when so Joe Biden, I'm gonna parse that with there was. Go ahead. I wish that I wish his mind, his economic and business mindset, could have been mixed with a very tempered, um, like calculated, uh, calm personality type. Uh, but I can't do the, I can't do the roller coaster again, man. Yeah, no, when I heard, uh, you know, that Biden was telling former president Obama and others that he was planning to run again in 2024, I said, okay, you know, the Republicans are handed a, a gift here because his numbers are, his numbers are really bad. The media is beginning to turn on him already. Uh, this before the the midterms, where the Democrats are going to lose in the midterms, it's just a matter of how badly they lose. And and um, I thought, okay, here's your chance as a Republican Party. Here's your chance to run anyone not named Donald Trump, and you, you'll I, I think you win probably in a landslide. Uh, and you don't, and and landslides in American politics are just rare. I think you would. I think you would have a landslide. But if you run Trump, I think you leave the door open. I think you leave the door open to people going. Nope. I know that Biden's gone. I know he's dementia riddled. I know this is not. This has not gone well. His approval ratings bear that out daily. Daily. But I don't want Trump back. I, I, so I'll just go vote against Trump. I don't. Yeah, I don't. And I don't know what I honestly don't know what. It, 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 let's let's just say it was a a Biden Harris versus Trump and whomever. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. I mean, Green Party might actually. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what would happen. I, I think don't know it, what I would do, man, because that's a 
that's a tough. Yeah, I mean, I know who I'd vote for, but I, but I'm, I'm, but I'm not the moderate swing voter anymore. That that's in the middle, and the the, the moderates right now, and the numbers bear this out. This isn't political, or are, are are leaning right pretty hard. But I think if you bring Trump back, because Trump comes back with mean Twitter and all of that stuff, and I don't know if that's what people want, as opposed I mean, to... I guess I would rather have mean Twitter and a strong economy than... <laughs> well, you would. You would, but there's a lot of people out there that, I mean, you know, you see this, and this is not a criticism, that, that we, we live in a touchy-feely society, and feelings matter, and, and, and all that stuff, and Trump upsets feelings in a way that I'm not, you know, I, to where people would go actively vote against him, and I don't know that if it were Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley or, or, or Tim Scott, or I'm just throwing names out. I, I don't know that I, would there be people that would go vote against them? Sure. But are they such a known commodity and a known uh, quantity that people would go vote, a, vote, a, a stand in line for four hours to go vote against them? I don't think so. Well, if you had like a, and I don't know if this ticket could ever get put together, but if you had a, a Nikki Haley and DeSantis, you know, I don't know who, who would be on top. That would probably be a, yeah, I, I think uh, I think a right, power struggle. There I think right the, now it would be DeSantis that you put on the top of the ticket because of the success he's had in Florida and the the, the sure. popularity ratings that he has. And that's my point. I think he'd win. Let's get to this real quick. I have about fifteen minutes left. Yep. Sorry, dude. Rabbit it's, trails, man. No, we're, okay. we're really good at the rabbit trails. Yeah, so. we are, and we'll 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 throw a long one because I I would like to dive into those things. This is Joe Wallace in the uh, Wall Street Journal. He writes: U.S. stocks What's climbed up, climbed Thursday, powered higher by a rebound in shares of technology companies. The NASDAQ Composite Index... As long as your name's not Netflix, yes. Yeah, he says the NASDAQ <laughs> Composite Index added 1.8%, chipping away at losses after a plunge in Netflix shares weighed in on the technology sector Wednesday. The S&P 500 rose 0.9%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average gained 0.7%. Major indexes are headed towards gains this week after a raft of earnings uh, showed U.S. companies on strong footing in the latest quarter. Tesla shares jumped 11% after the electric vehicle maker reported $3.3 billion in quarterly profits late late Wednesday, its highest profit to date. AT&T shares added 3.3% after reporting stronger-than-expected growth in its core wireless business. Those numbers are going to get even better once the Warner deal is totally out of their earnings books, too. Airline stock also rallied. Uh, yep. American Airlines Group shares rose 9.7% after the carrier reported that revenue more than doubled in the first quarter. United Airlines, which also benefited from a surge in post-lockdown travel, rose 12%. On the economic front, data showed that new claims for unemployment benefits fell to 184,000 in the week through April 16th from 186,000 the previous week. Final paragraph here, the tight labor market figures highly in the Fed's calculus over how quickly to tighten monetary policy. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell is due to appear at a debate on the global economy hosted by the International Monetary Fund and scheduled to start at 1 p.m. Eastern Thursday. European Central Bank President Christine Lagarde will also participate alongside Kristalina Georgieva, the IMF's managing director. So the numbers we hear people, I, I say this, I catch myself saying, oh, the economy's terrible. The economy is not terrible. It's not terrible. No, and that's what, and dude, and and that's and we've and I've I have been saying that on the, the that the economy looks good, you know, even since the beginning of the year because the fundamentals do look good. You know, the inflation piece, which is really that's the shock and awe, right? That's the that's the bloody streets that the the news wants to talk about, and and it's and it is for real. So it's I'm not saying that the manufacturing those numbers 
by any stretch of the imagination. But so when you have a really strong economy and we've got inflation that's running the, the risk, well, all right, pause. The risk you take when you raise interest rates is that you choke out the growth and the strength of the economy. And then you kind of move into what they call a fed induced recession, which generally don't last very long, but it's because, you know, interest rates have, have gone up to a point of where it's, it stumps the growth. It, it chokes out the growth of the economy. Then you have a little bit of a decline, but generally what happens is that when demand goes away, prices follow suit. So prices come down to a point to where people say, okay, I can now start buying things again without it murdering my, you know, my, my balance sheet at home or my income, you know, my bank account at home. And then you get, you know, and you pick back up into, in kind of an expansionary period. Well, we have a really, really strong economy right now. And the earnings results are proving that. And that, and, and it, and it proves that we can take some, some rising of, of interest rates to help choke out some of the inflation. And I think that the Fed's tough job is going to be what they call a soft landing, which is, you know, raise rates, but not kill the economy at the same time. And that's going to be, it's going to be hard for Powell to do that. But dude, Powell's had a hard job from day one. And I think if anyone can do it, he's the dude that is going to be able to do it. And I think he's being very calculated. You know, was he late to the to the game of raising rates? Yes. Am I mad at him about it? No. I think he's done a great job um, with what he's had. Uh, and, you know, and I think that he wanted to wait and see, is the economy really strong enough for us to be able to do it? And that's why I think at the end of May, we probably will see a Instead of a, a quarter of a percent it's rise, a half, you're going to see a I think half. We'll see point. a half a point. Yeah, that's the a half a percent. This is uh, Nick Timor Timor. We can take it. Nick Timoraus, I think, is how you say his name with the Wall Street Journal. I, I'm sure if I'm mispronouncing, I apologize. He uh, he writes, and I'm, I'm really paraphrasing paraphrasing for time. Uh, he refers to the meeting that we talked about a minute ago. He said, uh, "Mr. Powell last month signaled half point rate increases were possible at the Fed's coming policy meetings, and since then, his top lieutenants on the central bank's rate setting committee have cemented expectations in interest rate future markets of a half point rate increase uh, at the May gathering. The Fed raised rates from near zero by a quarter percentage point at its meeting last month, its first rate increase in more than three years. A rate increase next month would mark the first time since 2006 that the central bank increased its policy rate at back-to-back meetings and a half point increase would be the first such move since 2000. Yep. Yep. I think we can take it. And I think we, you know, we need it. So, you know, in our portfolios for our clients, and I was early to the party, um, we went ahead and made adjustments in the bond portfolio because bonds are really the ones that get hurt the most in, in, in interest rate hikes. And so, um, you know, and if you kind of think about most retired people, or folks who are really scared of markets, they have a large chunk of their of their investment portfolio, whether it's their 401k, whether it's their, you know, money that we manage at Pinnacle, they can have a large chunk of it in bonds. And a lot of times people think, oh, bonds are safe and, you know, and nothing goes wrong in bonds. And that's just not, that's not true. You know, I mean, bonds are generally less volatile than stocks, but it takes them so much longer to recover because it's kind of like the tortoise and the hare deal, you know, man, if, 
if the tortoise gets sidetracked in the race, he's done. He's screwed. He won't finish. Or he'll finish, but the, but the hare's going to beat him, even with a nap. The hare's going to beat him. And, and the tortoise has to be consistent. And um, it's just an environment where as interest rates go up, I mean, in, in bonds since January of last year, 21, bonds are down, you know, government bonds price-wise are down 10, 11%. And if you're making, you know, let's say that you're making 3%, I'm just going to give you a, you know, an, a, ben- a bigger benefit than you actually have. Okay. If you're making 3% and your price is down, you know, 10 or let's just say nine, just so that it's easy math. That's three years of interest payments for you to get to just kind of, you know, break even. But as interest rates go up, the price of those bonds are going to continue to go down further unless you hold them to the maturity. And if you bought a 10-year treasury bond, that means that your really safe liquid investment just became illiquid if you want to get your money back because you can't sell it or you're going to get less than what you bought it for. Uh, if you sell it, so you got to hold it until maturity and most people don't. So like those are the moves we've been making and our portfolios is taking our clients bond portfolios, you know, off the track as much as we can to be able to mitigate, uh, you know, a lot of that headwind in the bond portfolio. And, you know, I'll spike the football in the end zone. And in return, dude, we we're smoking our benchmarks because our benchmarks are usually, you know, if it's 60% stock, 40% bonds, our benchmarks are, you know, the MSCI, all country world, because we are global investors. And then the Barclays aggregate bond index. And dude, we're smoking the bond index because I don't have a whole lot of those type of bonds in our bond portfolio. So, you know, it's a, that's probably the area of the portfolio I tell people pay attention the most to is your bonds. Okay. Um, yeah. And if you don't know, call me. Yeah, and that's that's what you're there for. That's why we. That's right. That's why we've got you around. Um, yeah, the only other thing that I think we'll and we'll get into this next week is there is still a fear that as this summer progresses, as we get into the summer, that there's going to be food shortages, that prices are going to spike up even more, uh, that you know, cost of fuel is going to go up during the travel season. Just the cost of living is going to go up, inflation going up, that kind of thing. I think that's the that is the big summer story, frankly, that, that uh, one would think, at least politically, the Democrats are going to be very motivated to, to assuage that, those fears, yeah, right? Not and, to happen, yeah. Yeah, because if you, if, if, if you pile that on in the summer, the fall, you won't have enough time to recover and, and, and minimize your losses. If, if the summer is a catastrophic uh, economic disaster for, for your average family, you're going to pay for that at the polls in, in November. Yeah. And I mean, and, and it may be tough to, it may be tough to mitigate that Neil, because like I, some things are cyclical and when there's more demand for things like fuel, uh, I mean, prices are just going to go, are going to go up. And if summer, and you know, you kind of think about travel for the last couple of summers, you know, a lot of people have just not done it. And and they're saying, hey, we're going to do it. I mean, and you even see it in the cost of rooms, um, you know, in the summer months. Because, uh, like, my, my nieces graduate high school in Fairhope, um, Alabama, in, you know, in the middle of May. And I was kind of looking, and their graduation is right in the middle of the week. It's on a Wednesday. 
so I was looking at, Hey, what if we went and just, you know, stayed in a condo and, you know, we get there Monday night, um, you know, we're there Tuesday, there Wednesday, you know, come home on Thursday. So kind of in the middle of the week, in the middle of May, school's still in for the most part. So there's not a whole lot of, you know, vacationers quote unquote with kids on the beach. And, um, and dude, I was looking at prices and I was like, holy shit, like that's a, the prices have really, really gone, gone up. Um, and to where I was like, no, I'm not spending that kind of money for three days, uh, you know, to go to my niece's graduation and, but someone will. And, you know, and a lot of the, I look at the counters and dude, a lot of those places are booked up. And so don't be surprised if they don't abate, if the prices don't abate during the summer, because I think they're going to stay high. Yeah, I do too. It's, it's interesting. And I'm, you can tell I'm so interested in, in politics. I, I find, I find it interesting. Elizabeth Warren came out recently. We'll talk about this one maybe next week. Uh, Elizabeth Warren came out with a plan for kind of nationalizing the midterms, basically by pushing a bunch of legislation that knowing that you don't have the votes for it, but forcing Republicans to vote against it publicly. And uh, she, you know, that's, it's a little bit of a desperate plan, but it does make sense. I do. I do. Wait, so nationalizing what? The election. The Instead of, you know, because there's, look, the, the problem, and I, th- I think this is going to be the proof of it. We'll wrap with this. The problem, I think, for the Democrats in, in November, and this is what the Republicans don't get. The Republicans are going to win big in November, I think, Martin. Guess who's not on the ballot in November? Trump. Trump. His name's not on the ballot. Nope. Donald Trump's name is not on the ballot. Joe Biden's name is on the ballot, basically. Like any, look, and every, we talked about this before, go back to to uh, George W. Bush, Bill Clinton, Obama, uh, Trump, all of them. They, most, most all, if not all, lost support, it lost, lost Congress seats, congressional seats in the first midterm. Yeah, it's just kind of what happens. You know, you elect a president, get two years of the guy, get kind of sick of him. You know, the, the honeymoon wears off. They don't deliver on all their campaign promises because nobody does. And they take a little bit of a hit. That happens. So Biden was due a hit, you know. But he's going to get a big hit because Biden's popularity is down. This is CNN, low 40s, low 30s even in some polls. I mean, they it, it's bad. And so, you know, but Trump's name's not on that ballot. And so when you win big, and you win big because you got to run on issues and the economy and, and, and inflation, stuff like that, not because of this president that pisses people off, you probably ought to take notice of that. So I'm curious to see kind of, we talked about this last week, and we'll talk about it a lot going into November. I am curious to see what happens with um, leading into the midterms, what what kind of the issues, you know, that the the democrats you know like some of the stuff she she wants to make she wants to make republicans kind of come on record voting against clean energy against affordable care against universal pre-k um she knows that the votes aren't there in congress to get those things passed but she wants to the agenda to get pushed so that it's in the news and the republicans vote against it so that when you're on the campaign trail, you can say, hey, you'd have all these things if only the Republicans didn't block it. So from that standpoint, she's I, I, I agree with her. Her her, uh, 
her plan from a from a PR standpoint, it's, it's quite smart. All right, we're going to wrap there, Martin, if that's okay with you. About, yeah. Only about 35, 36 minutes here, but we'll uh, we'll owe you guys a longer show. We'll get it to you here uh, soon. But um, I've got, like I said, a full day yeah, of stuff. Yeah, I know, stuff you've, got a, I know you've got back-to-back stuff. Yeah, hey, I've got one more show. And I think it's a show. good stopping point. Okay, so we'll stop there. So our thanks again to uh, Martin. It's mypinwealth.com, M-Y-P-I-N-N wealth.com. If you have questions about uh, your portfolio and what to do in, in these – different changing economic times get in touch with martin and the people there at uh pinnacle you, you won't regret doing that so uh, until next week and i'm not sure exactly what our schedule is next week but we're going to get you a show uh next week and the week after and then we might miss one or two sometime in may but we'll we'll be with you pretty routinely throughout uh so for martin palomo i'm neil mccready that does it for this edition of mind on my money presented by pinnacle until next time take care